Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People and Performance Podcast. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, show co-host and editor over at the HR Gazette. In this episode, we're going to consider how C-suite executives and HR departments in financial services can better support each other to drive business success. Our guest in this People and Performance episode is Tara Fabers, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Mutual of America Financial Group. Tara is responsible for HR strategy, including talent acquisition, development and retention, diversity, equity and inclusion, organizational learning, compensation programs, all aspects of employee benefits and the development of a hybrid employee work policy. She works closely with the executive committee as they implement their transformational business initiatives and update their long-term strategic plan. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation that Chris Bjorling and I had with Terra. And if you do, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Tara, welcome to the People in Performance podcast today. It's a wonderful opportunity to have you here today. Bill has said so much great things about you, so many great things about you. I'm excited to have our, our discussion today. Well, thank you, Chris. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Bill earlier this last year, and I'm looking forward to talking to you and him again. Excellent. Thanks. So I, I get the opportunity, the, the joyous opportunity to give you the first question. So this is a good one, I think, um, for our listeners, because it's it's important to think sometimes where we've been, where we're going, that type of activity. So the first question for you is, how have HR departments evolved since you joined the financial services industry? That is a good question, because I do think it's really important to look backwards to see where we are today. Um, so I joined the financial services industry and human resources in, in the late 90s. And I would say that HR didn't have as significant of a role in informing business decisions as they do today. And there probably was, I think, minimal alignment between HR and the broader business. Today, I feel like HR is a part of the discussions that drive conversations around compensation, business strategy, uh, integrating DEI initiatives into the company and more. I feel like over the years, organizations have truly begin, begun to see the value of proactive talent management as the war for talent, I'll put that in quotes, emerges. So talent companies fought for talent and processes like talent reviews and succession planning etc. brought the business and human capital closer to each other. So as an example, in the early 2000s, I became much more involved in initiatives related to location strategy. At the time, companies were starting, particularly in financial services, particularly in New York, were starting to figure out how you move staff from high-cost markets, New York, etc., to low-cost locations. And so one of the bigger and more fun projects that I got called on at the beginning of my career was understanding the local labor markets, understanding where to find talent like technology, um, how the markets were driving compensation, how do we build out or select going to a city like Baltimore or international cities like Hungary, um, 
so they really, we got pulled in because the conversations with our business leaders started to take on a long-term strategic focus. And so when we were having those meetings, they were meetings where HR was sitting at the table along with the CFO, the heads of real estate, the line kind of technology leaders in that example, where we start to talk about the full picture of what we wanted the organization to look like more strategically. And so really kind of to wrap up your conversation about how it's evolved, I really do feel like where we started to see was a shift, I think, in my purview of what started, I think, as a kind of a version of personnel, so to speak. Um, and over the last 20 something years, seeing it evolve to what's more of a modern day function. Um, and for me, that brings me joy because what I enjoy about my job is really the intersection of people in business. Um, and so the continuum for me makes my job even more fulfilling. The People and Performance Podcast, supported by Fidelo Inc., is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish, grow, and measure the performance of employees. If you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app? Tara, that's brilliant. I loved that overview of the last, you know, 20 some years. Because we've seen it in, in all the client with with most of the clients that we work with, some are still in that you know personnel or compliance checkoffs and things. But when you can become a more of a partner, business partner, and strategic leader inside of the process around, especially, and I think you use the phrase, you know, in the war for talent and on talent management activities, I think it's it's brilliant. You gave us some initiatives you started on before, but let me ask this as a follow up here: is do you have any examples of initiatives that the HR teams should be focused on in the financial services industry right now to, to really impact meaningful change? Chris, I have tons of examples. That's all I think about all day long. <laughs> all day long. I'm sorry, um, you, need a, you need a hobby. Okay, go ahead. Right, right um, so I will say the cycles of industry move quickly. Um, and as the markets move, so do HR departments and we get pushed and pulled in different ways. But um, as I talked to Chris about when I started uh, last, last he and I talked last summer, I talked to him about being in my job now, it's a little over a year. And so I've been really deliberate on working with my team to create what our mission and vision is. Um, so in a sense, that's my North Star and it helps me to kind of calibrate on my why. Why are we doing something? Why do we prioritize one initiative over the other? Um, I'll say out loud now, and I said it, when I talked to Bill a while back ago, our, at the time, we had just kind of finished our, our mission statement. I think actually it was the first time I said that loud was when I talked to him. But, but I'll say it again. Um, very simply, we're trying to create an environment where our employees feel fulfilled and empowered. And by saying that statement, it helps me to prioritize. And I'll give you the example because it helps me to figure out what my important initiatives are, where I want to focus based on where I say our mission is. And so I'll give you, I'll give you three or four examples. Um, HR initiatives, focus on compensation, number one. Driven by these new pay transparency legislations and shifting workplace dynamics around uh, during the pandemic, organizations are starting to think about how they value work and how you compensate employees fairly and equitably and more important, if there's a differentiation between compensation of between peers, using data to ensure there's a legitimate explanation. 
performance management is another one, again, driven by the work of talent. Many, ta many companies are starting to focus on enhancing the employee retention numbers by improving performance management, um, driving a learning culture, thinking about how to empower employees, ensuring leaders and employees have the resources they need um, to grow and establish career trajectories. Um, they, they really are trying to figure out how to manage that. Between the great resignation and quiet quitting, employers have had to find means to keep their employees engaged and demonstrate a career path for them. Um, we'll talk a little bit more, I'm, I'm guessing, um, on diversity, equity, inclusion. So I'll say that's an initiative, but I'll also say it's more broad than that. I'll say it's kind of ESG, right? So the broad kind of topic of ESG. Organizations are being asked to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So E and I need to be integrated in the ways that organizations think about succession planning, development, engagement, back to the pay, I said, truly understanding the market they're in and determining where their population, if their population reflects their communities and the customers. Um, and then we'll throw in there kind of the remote workforce, which we're still evolving, so that's another thing. And, and lastly, I'll say, which is not really an initiative, but I think it's just, it's important um, to be recognized um, as a business, HR as a business, is data analytics, right? So by assessing the systems and the platforms and collecting data to help our under, understand our employees better, HR can use metrics to help the business be more cost-effective and drive recruitment and retention. So those are a few examples. I could probably delve deeper into benefits and how benefits play into diversity, equity, inclusion, and creating a healthier mindset and so on. But don't you ask for a few, those are a few. That is awesome. I, I appreciate the spectrum you gave me. And I, and I like it when you started out saying that you wrapped up your mission and vision that's there and you're using it as a guiding star for how you deal with things, because it's a great way to put a filter over anything you're working on and coming yeah. back and say, does this really help impact where we, where we really want to be from this vision standpoint? Um, and is it a, is it achieving our mission when we do it this way, or should we tweak it, or should we modify right. it? And I, and that's brilliant. And all these pieces that you talked about really then look back up that way and and help drive the business. So excellent. So that's exciting, Bill. Yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Tara, Bill here. Um, I'd, I'd love for you to expand upon what you've said so far and, and maybe now share with us uh, a bit more around how can C-suite executives and HR departments in financial services better support each other to drive business success? You know, what, what does that relationship look like where they are sitting at the same table and they're, they're, they're rowing in the same direction? Yeah, so good to, good to hear your voice again, Bill. <laughs> you too, you too. Um, as you know, I've worked in financial services my whole entire career. So my frame of reference really just comes from, you know, that industry. So I'll speak for what it's like in my world, but I assume that across all other kind of sectors, you hopefully find the same kind of support and engagement across C-suite leaders and, and, and HR teams. But part of the reason why I have enjoyed the field of financial services is because I really do feel like it has a partnership ethos. Um, I have... I get great pleasure working with my business leaders, developing these strong and trusting relationships with them. My leaders have valued my experience just as much as they value the work of their CFO or the general counsel or the CIO, right? Um, but I found that developing 
relationship early is the key. Um, uh, so understanding the parameters and the expectations of those partnerships. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I took on this role, as, as, again, as I said, I've been here, I started here in uh, about a little over a year ago. Um, before I accepted the offer, I had this one-on-one -on -one conversation with my now boss, who's our CEO. And I said to him, I have three questions I want to ask you before I decide whether I want this role. What's your definition of partnership between me and you? What does strategic HR look like? Or what does a strategic HR leader look like and a strategic HR department look like in your opinion? And we knew we had some transformation to do. So is there anyone in the organization that might be opposed to making changes the way that we currently operate? I needed to have that conversation with him up front because it helped me to establish how we were going to work together. So, and, and obviously, I, it's a good conversation. I'm here, right? Um, so I've worked with leaders through some really delicate situations. Um, together, we've negotiated large, change, large changes in the organizations, like layoffs or outsourcing. Um, we've also gone through unexpected and complicated employee relations issues where the answer is always some shade of gray. We've implemented new compensation methodologies and in international locations. Um, and, and I'll say, though, all that work, really interesting kind of mind-based work. But my favorite times were the ones where I had to help a new leader manage through a new leadership role. Because um, you really kind of get to play a, a really pivotal role at a, a point of inflection for a leader. All of this works when HR leaders and their business leaders have a strong and trusting and honest relationship. So you ask about what this partnership look like. It has to look like that. I have to understand what's their end game. So where are they trying to get to? Because if I know that, then I can help to prepare a strategy to help them get there, or I can redirect their plans to make it more compliant or ensure we're putting our employees first. Um, and for me, the ability to be able to have that give and take, that honest conversation, that, you know, opportunity to check each other to be supportive is, is really, I think, how that partnership that you asked about, how we support each other to drive business success, I think that's really how it happens. I love that answer, Tara. Thank you very much. Okay, so you did mention when you and I spoke a while ago, you were fairly new to your role, but you're not new anymore, so I can challenge you, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the, my, my next question for you is, where, where do you see DEI at Mutual America? in the future and as part of that how do you plan to get there okay fine i'm i was i was like really new then but i'm still i think you can still give me kind of credit for being new <laughs> so but i'm going to answer your question anyway um because it's, it is something that i think is a really a priority um so i look um at dei in four dimensions right so one is personal so getting our colleagues in our organization to understand themselves and understand each other. Uh, I look at it as from a team perspective. So the understanding the board and the senior leadership team from a company perspective, being intentional and understanding what our business and culture are, and then externally. So understanding what's our external brand and what's the, op the environment we operate into. Um, so while the DEI, while DEI was embedded in the culture of Mutual America when I started, I think I said this when, when you and I talked, it, it's, it was in, it's embedded in what we do, 
much of the work that I did in my first year and I'm continuing to do is about being deliberate about celebration of different cultures, but also measurement and integration of that work. So this year, throughout the year, I guess I say kind of 2022, beginning of 2023, we focused on developing content both in writing and through awareness seminars that focus on heritage and awareness month. We put together a series of diverse, we brought a series of diverse voices to our employee base. Um, and of the work that I've done, and I've done a lot of work around kind of HR stuff, um, what I feel like I get overwhelmingly strong support is from this work that our employees tell us. They're learning from each other's experiences and employee theme, employees really feel seen. So in 2023, we're gonna embark upon data collection. We haven't rolled out self-ID, so I don't feel like I can accurately tell you who our employees are. And once we have that self-ID with that data, we can create metrics that allows us to do some pay equity work that I wanna do. It'll also help us to formalize an employee resource group or diversity council, which I keep hearing our employees saying they want. Um, as we're building out a performance management culture, which is something else we're doing, I envision more trainings and conversations about unconscious bias and bringing those learnings forward to check the decisions that we make in all aspects of our employee cycle. We've done some work around expanding our benefits to make them more inclusive. Um, it may be small, but I'm really proud of them. So recently we, re we expanded the definition of what's considered a family member as it relates to bereavement leave to acknowledge non-traditional family members. We also added divert, uh, pregnancy loss to our bereavement policy as, as a way of um, incorporating that with it as well. Um, eventually, um, my big dreams, I see us playing a more broad role in our ability to use DEI to move the needle. So ESG will play a big role in guiding us there. We'll wanna drive equity and fairness internally help to educate our employees about what it means to drive external change on topics that matter to them and ensure that our business practices take that into consideration. So I have lots of quotes. So I'll quote Tim Cook here. Um, he said, if you believe as we believe that diversity leads to better products and we're all about making products that enrich people's lives, then you obviously put a lot of effort and energy into diversity in the same way you'd put a ton of effort into anything else that's important. And I believe that. So in the upcoming kind of future, I envision setting benchmarks and establishing a goal when, because it matters to us. And so I see this squarely in our future, working with our CEO to determine where we wanna be and set some goals around it. Um, also, if you kind of talk about what the future of DEI looks like, we have some work to do around pay transparency that's driven by some legislation that's going on. So we have quite a bit of work to do um, in the DEI space, but I feel like we have it laid out. And again, if, if I quote again, Tim Cook um, from Apple, if it's important, and it is, then we start to figure out what those things are and we put some measurement and benchmarks around it. I have two questions for you um, uh, as we're wrapping okay. up down the line here. I, the first one is just all about you. So. Uh, the question is this, in one minute or less, can you share one piece of advice or some direction you were given to by a mentor or that was given to you by a mentor or a leader or a colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career? I, I have the great pleasure of 
kind of having a lot of mentors along the way. And part of the reason why I do this, I am busy, but part of the reason why I do this is I hope that I can, someone in your audience can hear this and feel like they've gotten a little bit of mentorship out of me, right? So I'm happy to take the time to do it. So I'll tell you um, a quote that I have, um, that someone shared with me a long time ago. Um, and it's guided me through the last several years of my career. And it's quite simply, elevate your line of sight. Um, I elevate your line of sight. So I, she told me this, and I, I hope she is listening and hears this. Um, I, was, I was actually um, really nervous when I was transitioning from leading a small team on to taking a big, going to lead a bigger group. I was moving from um, moving back into an HR business partner function after having been in um, a learning and development function for a really long time. Um, and I, I keep that quote on my computer because it inspires me and reminds me to think beyond today, to connect concrete pieces of data and operate at a level that allows me to focus on the whole. Um, so elevating your line of sight is taking all those pieces of information together, and my job is to look broader and more deeply, um, still recognizing the individual sums of the role, but to think more broadly and more deeply about the work that I do. Um, and I think for me, it, helped, it, it told me and it reminded me of my, the expectation of me to bring new, sites, new insights to a conversation. Um, because as I said earlier, it's easy to get distracted by the day-to-day, -day, right? You can run around and kind of be fight, fighting this fire and that fight, fire. The mission statement that I had helped, but also the quote of elevating my line of sight has helped because it gives me um, a really clear visual, visual framework for thinking about what the next phase of my career is. Um, and so that's the quote that I keep on my desk. I still have it now. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's, you know, we have a have a few children and I, I talk to them about that same concept a lot. I don't use the, the same words, but, you know, the concept here is that you're you're better than you are and keep that head up and keep projecting forward. So brilliant statement. So I love it. That's there. And the last question that I have for you today is and we ask this of all of our guests because we just like to do this and, and get a perspective as we walk through this. The question is this, from a p culture and people processes perspective, what does a high-performing company mean to you? So it means a few things to me. Um, I'll give you a few of the things, probably I think like five things, I think it is. Um, number one, you treat your customers right. Putting customer service as a top prior priority is undeniably something that all successful companies do. Number two, Treat your employees like and even better than your customers because they truly understand the moments that matter for your company. Um, and they have to be all in to be able to treat your customers the way that they, they want, you want your customers to be treated. Successful companies are innovative. They're constantly looking to be better than themselves. Um, I'm, a, I'm a runner. Um, I've run quite a few marathons. And um, one of the things that runners say is you compete against yourself, right? So you're not competing against the, per against the person that's next to you. You're competing a bit against your last PR. Um, and so I'll say the same thing for, for companies. They compete against themselves constantly. Um, they set aspirational company goals and they engage everyone to achieve in them. So it's not a small group of people who are trying to move the organization forward. It's everyone that's trying to move them forward. And 
by doing that, it brings me kind of to the last thing that I think companies do is they're transparent with their communications. They bring people along, whether it's the customers, the staff, I'll say their neighborhood in a broad sense of the, the, the communities that they operate in. They bring people along. Um, and so I, so I think those are, when I think about what a high-performing company does, it, it's a company that does all those things. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Tara. And before we do wrap up for this particular conversation, I know it's gone so quickly and we could have chatted for ages, but these are these are short snippet podcasts, I'm afraid. Um, so before we do wrap up for today, Tara, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you and all the cool things that you get up to? Uh, um, I, uh, I'd like to believe I'm cool. Hopefully your listeners will believe so after listening to this. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Tara Favors is my LinkedIn um, name. I try to do my best to post my musings. Um, I post things that our organization's done that I feel comfortable sharing. Like I recently posted something about um, International Day for people with disabilities that I thought was really cool to share. I try to share articles. So that's probably the best place to track me down is on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, that just leaves Chris and I to say for this particular episode, Tara, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Tara. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe.